Blog Talk Radio. Cheese on the podcast. Outsiders Boxing Podcast, coming to you live on this 16th of September. Whole lot of, whole lot of going on. First, I'd like to say, with everything and all the events that have recently happened, I know that Tuesday was a preview show that we had, September 11th. And just want to give my personal condolences to the families that had to deal with innocent lives that have been lost during that time in a historic day of the United States. Just want to put that out there for me being the host of this show and letting everybody know that united we stand and we have not forgotten the tragic day that it happened early morning. For me, I remember getting ready for, uh, I believe it was my freshman year when that had happened, getting ready for school and the whole day being just a chill shock one. But a shock day and also being chill would be today because so much that we got to cover and everything and everything that had happened in the wide world of boxing on Friday and Saturday, a whole lot of stuff to cover up. Um, been a pretty good Sunday for myself, relaxing, enjoying football, coming to you at a, uh eight-hour difference from the time that we are regularly scheduled for, which would be at noon, uh, as we've had previously for, I mean, since we've done this show. Uh, looking to start with a different time on Sundays, because of football, just trying to make it um, evenly laid out for everybody because we all got our teams that we pay attention to, and the time will change, not 100% when we will be having a um, a time that is put into place for Sunday's show, but we're still looking to uh, figure this one out and have a good time for everybody. And everybody. So I'm um, coming at you right now at 8 p.m. Pacific time. I want to take it to my guy who's in the future, so to speak, when it comes to the time being from uh, the central time, which would be 10 o'clock in his area. So I want to go to my main man, D. Willow Wilson, and see how he's doing on this glorious Sunday and uh, see what's going on, man. How you doing on this Sunday night, Willow? Oh, God. Boom. 
Really? Demon. So, uh, 
but hey, yo, let's uh, let's yo, take it. <laughs> Senor Willa, El Capitan Willa. Okay, uh, JP, if you're with us, what's good in the hood, man? How you doing? We uh we out here late night podcasting today. How's it going, my man? The the man who runs the relatively fat and black podcast from Southern California, JP. How you doing, this this uh this lady? evening, I should say. Yeah, right, man. Y'all on y'all doing a late night cast tonight. It's cool on my on my behalf though, because this is around the time of the evening where I'm free, so it's cool, man. Uh how you guys doing right. man, RC? Uh, I figured you would take in the fight. Yeah, I uh, I, I end up checking it out. All the um, fights. Even though I, I almost all the fights. Uh missed a few of the uh quick knockouts that had happened, but ended up catching them um later on because I was out getting some stuff to eat and all that good stuff. And by the time I got home, we were already waiting for Triple G and Canelo, which would took about an hour to start before I got ready for, or before they actually got out there. So, um, but as for me right now, just chilling, um, enjoying the uh, football week. Fantasy football did not work out for me today, nor did betting in Las Vegas because uh, – Ryan Fitzpatrick is the hottest quarterback in football next to Patrick Mahomes right now, which nobody expected. But that's neither here nor there. Um, just kicking it at the crib right now and uh, want to talk about this whole uh, fight that had happened this weekend. And starting off at the top, um, let's let's uh, let's shoot from the hip with this one right away because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Canelo Alvarez and Triple G, the year-long wait. Hey, hold on, 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 hold on. Yes, sir, Senor Damon. Oh, no. dancing right now for everybody listening. Hey, I know What the hell is that shit, Willa? He's had too much tequila already. Oh, God. I Canelo! Hey, 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 my hey, 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 I would expect nothing less. I'd expect nothing less from the Canelo fan base right now. Okay, all right, okay. So, guys, pretty much... Canelo did what a lot of people thought he could not do. And by that, uh, I mean stand in front of Triple G and back him up for the majority of the night. Now, let's just take it from the top. When I seen this fight, I was impressed with Canelo as far as being ballsy enough to do what he did as far as the game plan and what being what it was. Now, if I look back at my scorecard, I had a first round of swing, a swing round, and I believe – I don't have my notes right here, but I believe it was the eighth round, which is another swing round. And other than those two, I had it 5-5. But with the two swing rounds that I had, noted that I thought that it was more favorable for Canelo than it was for Golovkin, being that it was a swing round. So my scorecard was like of the other two judges, and I think that I thought that Canelo legitimately won this fight probably the one time in all of my history of watching Canelo fights that with the scorecards that were given, I agreed with him. Um, was pulling for Golovkin, 
I definitely wanted Golovkin to win. But not saying that he aged overnight, but the strategy just no special effects as one Floyd Mayweather had said. When he went to the body at times, it was good shots, but it was few and few than more. And it just didn't work out for Golovkin. Uh, landed some solid shots on Canelo. He did. But Canelo actually um, showed a little bit better of a gas tank. I was kind of waiting for Canelo to, to die out and uh, run on fumes for a while, loading up, missing a lot of big shots as well. But from my standpoint, to be completely honest with everybody, and I know how people that have been rocking with us since 2014, 13 at OTG know about my feelings with Canelo Alvarez, and I am not opposed to Senor Damon playing whatever it is song that that was. Will is known for playing various uh, Mexican music whenever Canelo has a victory. It's it's well documented in the archives, and this does not surprise me at all. This is I understand the Canelo fan base is re- fan base is really happy, and they are rubbing the nose in the ground of the Triple G fan, but. I think for the first time in a long time, the cards that were reviewed or revealed, I should say, were something that I could agree with, agree with on the Canelo fight. Willa, now put the tequila down and some of the other Mexican props that you might have. This fight, you said, would turn into easy work to the second half of the fight. And I believe it was decided from the championship rounds because Canelo really did a lot of good work, and in some rounds, Golovkin might have been able to steal them with some activity towards the end. But, as I said before, I agree with what was said, and I think this is a really big win for Canelo Golovkin without the eyebrow of skepticism raised from a lot of the boxing fans who wear tinfoil hats yelling conspiracy. Your thoughts of this fight are what? Good, sir. Yeah, let me tell you something, R.C. What we saw last Lay night was a masterpiece, no, you know. What we saw last night was the Mexican Mayweather technique. What we saw last night was Mayweather's Mexican son, you know, not being able not being able to be as defensive and, and a greater counterpuncher as his dad, but he's got that Mexican will in him where he could take these punches and go at this soft-ass Russian that got Kovalev treatment. You know, the second round, I mean, the second time, we knew Canelo was going in there to win. Canelo went in there first round, first, second. He's stepping forward. I said, oh, shit, this nigga is about to try to knock this boy out. And he went to it. He was getting jabbed, and you know, and 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 a lot of people say, you know, he he landed the jab. He just out doubled the jab, and the jab was so powerful. If the jab was so powerful, why was uh, Golovkin's face so fucked up, and Canelo's wasn't? And Canelo was the white guy. You know, I was in the hood watching watching the uh, watching the uh, watching the the fight at the trap house. These boys like we we're going for the white guy. And I'm like, who's the white guy? They're like, Canelo. Okay, so they're calling Canelo the white guy, right? <laughs> Canelo looks good after. He's got the cut on the eye. He, he got fucked up, too. But it ain't, it, it ain't the same. 
Canelo the whole time was landing the better shots, and he was landing more. Just like I said last week, it was going to be sort of like the Porter um, Porter uh, Garcia fight, except Canelo was going to land more shots than De- uh, than uh, 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 I mean, my fault. It was going to be the same thing, but I had it. I had it. I had it mistaken. I didn't really think that Canelo was going to walk him down. I thought he was going to come in and out, and, and he was going to be the Danny Garcia. But he switched it all up on and let us know that he is the real deal. Canelo. As a Canelo fan, we know that he's had these wins that aren't really – we don't know if they're really wins. You know, he got the win. I'm going to give him credit for the win, but they're debatable, right? And then he got schooled by Mayweather. This this cemented him as, you know, as a top ten pound-for-pound, if not top five pound-for-pound guy in the game. What this did last night, him uh, showing that he can counterpunch while walking walking Triple G down – um, get hit with some shots, but just give it way better. Hit, hit him with that real Mexican style, you know, Triple G's Mexican style, but he wasn't doing a lot of body work. Canelo with that supreme body work, you know. Um, hey, Canelo showed his naked ass, man. We knew what was going to happen. I had it eight to four. Uh, I could see how you can get it uh, seven to five. I don't see Canelo. I don't see Triple G winning six rounds. I sure as hell don't see him winning seven rounds. That's no way in hell he won seven rounds. And also, you know, if the the fight was close, let's just say it was close, Canelo won that last round and won it decisively. So it should have put it all, you know, guys are going to come on here and talk about the jab, guys that we love, you know, who are going to come on here and talk about the jab, talk about how, you know, he got Triple G somehow was fighting the fight that he wanted to fight off the back foot. We've never seen that before. We're talking about the jab king. You know, we're talking about jab squad. We, we looked at the jab king. He was throwing yeah. nothing but jabs. They, they're hard. They hurt a little bit. But, you know, hey, he was exposed yep. by, by, uh, by my man. Uh, what's my man's name? Jacobs. He was exposed by Jacobs. Canelo came in to finish him off. This was a legitimate win. I don't want to hear from nobody no Triple G fans, no guys that just hate Canelo. Their guy got beat, and he got beat the way Triple G said he wasn't. At the end of that 12th round, it was the exact opposite of the first fight. Triple G was running around. Canelo was chasing him. And, but the, the only difference was Canelo was hitting his bitch ass. Canelo did it. Yep. Great fight. Fight of the year candidate. It was worth it was even worth the hour and a half. You had to sit around and wait, go get some chicken, fire up, do all that. You know, it was it was worth it. Worth the eighty four dollars. I didn't pay it, but if I did, I probably would say it was worth the money. Canelo went down, he's top five pound for pound, uh, walking the bigger guy down and putting in that work. When you take a jab, it takes yep. like I always say, it takes for one jab if I hit you with, uh, you hit me with uh, three, uh, for every power shot, I need, I need one or two jabs to equal it out. So you could double me, even triple me in jabs, but if I landed 15, 20 more power shots, you know, I think I'm winning. I think it was more like 30 more power shots, right? Canelo was in there mm-hmm. whooping his ass. The boy was in there throwing the jab. You got you to gotta land a lot of jabs when you get uh, – Outlanded by power shots by 30, 30 plus, and we saw it. And, and they weren't even counting everything. So I don't want to hear 
excellent work by Triple G. I mean by uh by Canelo. Um and yeah, we'll go to the next one. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just wanna reiterate one more time that I thought that it was a legitimate decision that was given to Canelo. Um I know Willis sometimes likes to gloat and and uh rub one's face in it, so to speak, but I think that you're on the money with this one because this is something that we did not see from Gennady Golovkin throughout his reign of supremacy at the middleweight division. So uh, let's take it to JP and see how he's seen this one because um, I I know that JP was uh, expecting that Golovkin was to win this fight, but that didn't happen. But one thing that is possible of happening involved with his theory is setting up a third fight. And I think that the speculation of a third fight being a possibility is more than likely than not to happen. So, uh, JP, your thoughts of this fight that had transpired within the last 24 hours, um, how did you see it all in all throughout the 12 rounds that we've seen being 24 combined between Golovkin and Canelo? So, first, I had the fight. So, unlike you guys, first of all, I had no dog in the fight. I, on record, have was one of those dudes criticizing Golovkin two, three years ago, fighting DeGales and Macklin's and Wade. And I said he was robotic and kind of slow and predictable. And I was called racist. And I was jealous because I, a white man was dominating boxing and, uh, and it made me feel a type of way. So I was that guy. So here I am today and I'm uh, in lack of better word, I'm caping for Golovkin, right? Because I picked Golovkin. I had Golovkin. I had Golovkin winning the fight I would nine to three. Well, I had Golovkin winning the fight nine to three. I also picked Golovkin. So one thing I I think is apparent here: if you've had a, a dog, if you had a dog in this fight, if you look at the fans, I deal, I deal with it all the time. JP, go ahead and continue. I think if you're looking through the lens of a fan for this fight. You could easily have it eight to four on either side of, of the fence, and I think it comes down to how you grade. So let me dissect Willa a little bit here. Willa brought up Mayweather, um, Canelo fought in a Mayweather type fashion. So I talked about this because I knew people would try to use that shit. But here's the thing: so when we're using the Mayweather theory, the the Mayweather way of winning a fight, that's low volume with high accuracy and efficiency. Correct. That's what it is, right? So if Canelo pulled off because – that's correct. So Canelo threw 250 less punches. So that would call for him to be very accurate. But unlike Mayweather, you cannot get fucking touched up all night. You can't call it the Mayweather theory when a guy's popping your fucking head back all night long. You can't do that. So that, that's one thing that's out of there. It's nothing like Mayweather. And so, and Max, I believe, I don't know, man. I feel like people been brainwashed. They were doing it all night. They came out here with this some shit I've never heard in boxing. Triple G may be winning the fight, but Canelo is winning the story of the fight. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of that. Canelo is winning the story of the fight. So as we go down the road, I, I come to find out the story of the fight is that Canelo's not running. He's staying in the pocket. That's him winning the story of the fight. So I'm like, okay, but what the fuck is he doing other than getting outworked and fucking 
So, and then let's talk about another part of Canelo winning the story, the fight that I hear, a narrative, is that Triple G did not fight his fight, and the fight was Canelo's fight style. Let's, let's, let's be clear here. Triple G fought the exact same way for 12 rounds. Every direction he got in this, he did. When Abel said it's time to fight, Triple G starts fighting. Triple G executed his game plan. It was not anything Canelo was doing to make him discouraged from how he was wanting to fight. We're not seeing Mr. Destruction Golovkin anymore. We haven't seen him actually in some time. And then I'll ask this question to further dissect Willis. Was this performance by Canelo better than Danny Jacobs' performance? Because Danny Jacobs didn't get the W, but Canelo did. It's absolute uh, bullshit. Yeah, you know uh, it. It was it was it was probably about the same. Um, we've no. got to realize that Canelo dominated the beginning of the fight. Jacobs he did. was Jacobs. Jacobs, who when, when he fights him again, Jacobs was scared. He didn't know what was going on, and he got knocked down. That's why, you know, I think he won, but the reason he lost is because he got knocked down, and it is what it is. You got to take that. Canelo, now check this out. I said Canelo was a a Mexican stepson. I said he just tried to do that. He's not doing what Floyd can do. Yeah, he was getting hit. That's exactly what I said. He has no – he does – his defense isn't like Floyd, but he's in there in the pocket trying to pick you off, and that's what he was doing. Jabs don't work, and let me and and I sent you a link just so just to just to sort of like prepare you, but you still said that he went and did exactly what Abel Sanchez wanted him to do, and Abel Sanchez said no, he did not. Abel Sanchez said he lost that fight. Abel Sanchez said he told him at the he thought. Triple G was thinking that he won the fight, and he was telling him that he needed that knockout. He needed to take him out. So Abel Sanchez was sitting there watching this guy get his face beat in, his face <laughs> beat in, watching this guy take deep breaths and back up every time he got hit. It didn't look like he was hurt, but his face was showing it. And he would take those deep breaths. And see, so that's what jabs, I mean. It's gonna take. It's gonna take five. It's gonna take four to five jabs for me to uh, erase you getting hit with a uh, with a, a left and a right and backing up and taking a deep breath. You know what I'm saying? These yeah. are jabs. They Willa, don't count. You're romanticizing shit, Willa. How how do you quantify damage done by a punch? So you you mean to tell me a, a, a jab, a solid jab from Golovkin, doesn't affect Canelo as much as one of Canelo's wide uh, open, wide armed left hooks that he'll throw and catch him with. Canelo never got close to even buzzing the man. He never buzzed. Him. That's what you he said. Never hey, made that's his, false. That's false. He never made his back eyes so lose sight up all the time. And, and in Willa. fact, I can't remember what round it was. Maybe it was like the the sixth. Maybe he got he was coming on. He got hit and he stopped punching for for the rest of the round. He was getting hurt, man, to that stomach. I don't want to hear about the. I mean, I'm not romanticizing anything. I watch the fight. I keep it 100 percent every time. I say it every time. Jabs. Do not equal power punches to me. So outlanding the jab, unless you really outland them, you can win with the jab. You can definitely win with the jab. But if a guy's hitting you and making you step back, if you're hitting the guy and he keeps on walking forward, it's not the same as I hit you twice and you step back and take a deep breath every time. What does taking a deep breath have to do with anything? What does taking a deep breath have to do with anything? Because you're getting hurt. You're backing up. 
What do you deep mean? Breath in if the I hit you in the stomach and yeah, yeah, no, deep breath and backing up means you got hit hard, right? I don't I mean, know. That's the, to me, because that, that, to me? that to me sounds like the romantic, the, the the story of the fight. It doesn't necessarily it ain't no story because I wasn't what's happening. I was with a bunch of niggas with the with the music on watching the fight. I didn't hear nothing they were that saying. Means you didn't, I was that watching means the fight. I was watching the score. That means you couldn't pay attention the, good. Ah uh, man. All right, man. Hey, I yeah, had uh, one second. Uh, hey, hold on, break board. it up, fellas. Break it up. Break it up, fellas. Real quick, Will. Um, I know you. you look, look. Uh, let JP, me drop one more fact. One more fact. You cannot ahead, dictate JP, the pace of. You can't dictate the pace of a fight. And throw 250 less punches while getting hit. If you're, if you're, you can't get hit a bunch and dictate the pace and also have the lower value. So, if people saying Canelo pressed the fight, I don't see how you prove that. Just because a person comes forward and doesn't go backward doesn't mean they're dictating the pace. We've seen that a million times. Yeah, but that we. Yeah. I, I just think the the I just think the uh, the level of of, of give back. From Golovkin was probably not what a lot of people that seen Golovkin having this reign had expected. But one thing I want to touch on is uh, Willa talks about uh, keeping at one hundred percent, and JP talking about not having a dog in the fight. Myself personally, I've been on record for many years not really caring about this fight, and I definitely did not have a dog in the fight, even though I I wanted Golovkin to win, so to speak. But I've never been a fan, and I've never been sold on the fact that Golovkin is this absolute monster at middleweight. Definitely not after that fight with Danny Jacobs. But, Willa, when you've seen the Letterman scorecard that I believe had Golovkin up similar to they did in the first fight, um, did you think that the agenda-driven, if that was the case, by uh, HBO was a little bit too much on display because, as I mentioned, when I talked about the swing rounds I had, I had them leaning more towards Canelo in the first and the eighth. And um, I just think that they had given a lot of credit for Golovkin's jabbing and not much so to back up Canelo and give him something more to think about if he wants to keep continuing coming forward. I mean, we know that Golovkin's not setting any traps. He's a rock'em, sock'em, um, really a basic type of a fighter, but the, the the power and everything that he obtains obviously can make people change their game plan and all that. But when you seen the Letterman scorecard, which I'm sure you did, you didn't have to hear it because you said you they're playing music and things like that, but the Letterman scorecard had Golovkin up by a wide margin. Uh, what did you think was the case with that as far as the Letterman scoring? Yeah, well, yeah, I think we saw with the Letterman scoring exactly what their agenda was. Now, now, if somebody says that, you know, JP, when when I score a a, a fight, I will I can I'll say something. Yeah, that was that was Canelo's round. I'll explain why the guy tells me why he thinks that was a Triple G's round, and I can say you might have something there. I'm gonna put that like into this, you know, into this middle case of rounds, right? But there's no way. There's no way in hell that 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 Triple G won seven rounds. Check that out. And there's no way in hell that Letterman, a guy who's the guy that met, who says when somebody comes forward, it don't matter what the hell they're doing. This if they just come forward, he's got them winning the fight. So for him to not have Canelo going forward winning the fight just you know just seems like they had the dog in the fight, you know. I think they said that he was the best, middle, uh, second best middleweight of all times, you know. 
um, yeah, some you know crazy stuff. Article saying uh, Lampley saying that you know that if his if Triple G loses this fight, his career was worthless or something like that. You know they're trying to push. They were trying to push Triple G big time, and we saw it in the cards. But you know, I listen to everybody. I listen to Roy Jones. I listen to all the guys. You know, it could have went either way. I I get that. I get that. But it was a close fight in the twelfth round. Your Nick Triple G got his ass whooped. That's just the bottom line. He couldn't pull it off at the end. He started off the twelfth round pretty hot, giving a big shot. But that's neither here nor there. Let's uh well. well you know, I know Janelle's with us right now, so let's take it to Janelle because uh, coming from the perspective that we had yesterday, yesterday I watched the fight uh, relatively sober, um, so I, I didn't need to watch it twice because uh, of any kind of alcoholic, ju- alcoholic judgment in the fight and seeing things that weren't really there. So I, I think that um, what I've seen from the fight being the 115-113 that I had was uh, um, really legitimate as far as what I thought I've seen and what they thought they've seen. But we got a, a man that's on our, a part of our podcasting team that uh, has a different perspective when it comes to what he sees in the in the ring, so to speak, because he is a fighter himself. So let's take it to Janelle and see if he's seen what they seen, what far or uh, what the Letterman card seen, or what the perspective he had um, being at the fight. So um, first and foremost, Janelle, I've seen your um, uh, injury that you had. Hopefully, uh, you can uh, have a smooth comeback and let this one be a minor setback for the major comeback. But uh, Janelle, still in Las Vegas, I'm guessing. How you doing? And welcome to the Outsiders Boxing Podcast, my man. Well, actually, I'm in Minnesota at my uncle's house. I, I missed my connecting flight from, uh, from Minnesota uh, going back to Albany, New York. But um, I was okay. and, uh, uh, Great sound quality. Um, I heard JP. sound really good right now. So how's it going? Uh, what was your thoughts on this fight? Because I know you were there, and I know sometimes the fight can be. Oh, I agree, uh, Will, one hundred ten percent. I agree, Will, one hundred ten percent on this fight. Um, you know, it's interesting how JP said about how um, uh, Triple G uh, executed his game plan to the fullest. But there's a video out there where Abel Sanchez said that he didn't follow instructions at all in that fight. <laughs> he didn't follow at all, and he, and he scored the fight a draw. This is Abel Sanchez, the man that said Triple G knocked out anyone from 175 down. You know, I mean, the man that was talking crap to Andre Ward until Andre Ward got in his face and, and started calling Triple G Little G. And, you know that I mean? always comes around. <laughs> this is Abel Sanchez. That always comes around. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Triple G, I said it uh, going to the first fight. He's slowing down completely. He's slowing. He's not the fighter. If this fight would have happened uh, 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 three and a half years ago, I think Triple G ices Canelo. The fight went exactly how I called it. I said that Canelo would not uh, take a break in the fight because everybody said, oh, oh, Canelo doesn't have a good cardio. No, that's nothing. He's not even have good cardio. He loads up too much. But that fight, he he was very economical. He fought his smartest fight of his career that night. And yes. I, I gave him a lot of props. I scored an 8-4 for Canelo. And one round was being wow. generous. You know what I'm saying? I had an 8-4 of Canelo easily. I thought Canelo really boxed his ears off. Oh, Triple G, he threw a lot of arm punches. He was not he he, he was not that same fighter. And, and you know what I mean, so it's like I don't know. People that scored for Triple G, that's just so interesting. How Letterman he always talked about how how he was giving the Kovalev a uh, word rematch. He was giving Kovalev all the rounds because uh, Kovalev uh, kept coming forward, applying pressure. But this fight, 
it was like he was getting Triple G, and Triple G for the first time in his career, he fought the entire fight going backwards. And for JP to say that Canelo never hurt Triple G, that's nonsense. He hurt him plenty of times in that fight. At times he hit him in the body, and Triple G would just back off completely. He was fighting like, I mean, you just saw the guy was very robotic. He was like an old man that actually did get knocked out. And if Canelo would keep up his his attack, I think he could have stopped him. But uh, Triple G better retire right now because it will look ugly for him. It will look very ugly for him if he chooses to get in the ring with a young stud who knows how to go for that kill. Uh, like a Jacobs or a Charlo, I think he'll be there to be a stepping stone. His time is up, and, and, it's, time, and, and it's time to call it a wrap. Stick a fork in him. I mean, because if not, he's, he's going to get abused against Charlo. I think those guys are just licking their lips right now at uh, Triple G. Uh, Canelo, I think both Canelo and Triple G better avoid athletic fighters. I don't think neither one of them is going to fight Dane Jacobs or even Billy Joe Saunders for that matter. I think Billy Joe boxes both of their ears off. Um, I mean, Canelo, um, again, like I said, I've never seen much in Canelo. I give him props for last night, don't get me wrong, but I've never seen anything in him to say that this guy's a top five pound pound fighter. I just never seen it. And I still don't see it. If he fights the best at 160, I think, I mean, he's going to win by robbery because I don't think neither one of those guys are going to knock him out. That guy has an iron chin. Nobody can knock that, but you know, he will win on robbery. And, 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 and that's the way it's going to continue to be if he, uh, if he chooses to fight those other studs at 160, which I don't, I just don't see him staying there. I mean, I don't know. The bill is a big boy, but he can't make 154 anymore. But uh, it's just, I just don't see him beating those guys. I think the best fight for him right now is either uh, David Lemieux or even his talks about the whole herd thing. Um, I heard about that earlier when I was in Vegas earlier. People were talking about how herd, uh, the herd and uh, Canelo is looking like a possible fight. I don't know how that uh, got spread he around. Not, but, he better not hey. try to jump down in weight classes. No, no. Uh, Hurd is not that kind of a power puncher. So that's why I don't think he would actually muscle Canelo around. All he is is a big, strong, robotic guy that's just hard to move. You know what I mean? He's hey, like, well, he's, Canelo, there, he's there in front of you. Huh? Canelo should have called out Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather said he was fighting in December. Canelo should have said, I want that payback, bitch, nah, in December. Attention whore, his man. He's a attention whore. Uh, hey, uh, that's, what said, that's what he should have did. Man, Florida's attention to He know what the big fight was that night. He know what the big fight was. And it's just it's just bothered him that his name is not mentioned in the biggest fight of the year. That's, he's an attention whore. It is what it is, man. Yeah, I he, doubt he's, he's coming back to Pacquiao. He's, de- he's definitely bored. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point. You made a, Janelle, you made a good point talking about what these two should do moving forward. And I think it's a good segue to move, uh, not to move off of this fight, but to say what these guys do moving forward because they're talking about the possibility of a third fight. Uh, Golovkin's definitely open for it. Canelo said if the, if the people want it, he's uh, open to making it happen. So if we were to get a, a third fight with these guys being on Cinco de Mayo of 2019, the possibility of this fight being able to be made, not only for them to make a good amount of money on a third fight, um, but for the both of the fighters to stay away from upper echelon competition as far as youth and strength and power and those things exactly. of, uh, of nature that, that all of them provide exactly. as far as all of them being being uh, Charlo, being Billy Joe Saunders, being Danny Jacobs, being Bubu Andrade, 
the middleweight division is really stacked right now, and I think it's best for them to stay away from all that level of competition. But if we were to give this uh, third fight a possibility of happening, and you know what's going to happen, though? What do you give for that happening? Well, what do you give that percentage of happening of the third fight being a possibility? We'll start with you and then swing it around to JP and Willis. Um, I can see it happening because I know what Triple G and Canelo want. Um, they want both Dane Jacobs and Charles to beat themselves up. That's exactly because those guys right now are young, fresh, athletic guys with uh, power punching and neither want to fight those guys. Of course, they want to see that fight with those two guys and have them beat each other up. I mean, that's what they clearly want. And and by making a third fight, that's exactly what's going to happen because they're not going to wait around for the winner of the third fight. So they're going to – I can see that fight happening. And uh, and Billy Joe is set to fight a, a dangerous guy right now. And uh, and, so I, and, and so I can see a third fight. I don't want to see a third fight, even though it was exciting. It was exciting to watch, but, okay, come on, let's go on to the next one. Man, there's some other big studs out there. But, you know, I mean, I mean it is what it is. But, hey, like I said – Oh, this fight was made because Triple G slowed down. He was slowing down. He was slowing down. I mean, you saw Jacob took a lot out of him. Even you know what I'm saying he just hasn't been that destroyed. And this is why this fight's made. And they lift, they lift at this fight. But you got other dangerous guys that they don't want right now. And uh, and have those guys beat each other up. I guess the third fight will be made. I don't. I mean, like I said, personally, I don't want to see it right now. I don't think it it should be called for honestly. But it's gonna happen. I think Canelo beat him easily. I don't know how anybody can say that fight was close or, or Triple G won. I think Canelo easily he easily beat him. That's what's up. That's what's up. Willa, uh, let's say or you know let's take it to JP first, and then we'll go to Willa, and then we'll figure out how we go about all this because this is a this is a crazy fight. It was a more entertaining fight than the first fight, one hundred percent, and I, I I I enjoyed it. But Willa, they, uh, or JP, or, I'm all over the place right now. JP, the, oh, the, one, the more possibility, thing, one more thing, one more thing, we'll say. What you got? What you got? I'll do one more thing. It's interesting how they like answered this fight, and they kept saying, "Oh, really?" In boxing, they see uh, two guys in the prime of their career. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Can, oh, Triple G is far from his prime, but they kept amping up the whole the whole time about how uh, two guys in the prime of their careers. Man, come on, man. That's just that's HBO just promoting. I'm mean, the whole promotional thing is just ridiculous. But it's interesting because. Um, I'm with JP on the fact that every time you criticize Triple G, you get called racist because I guess he's like the big white hope or whatever. And I was called racist numerous times for criticizing him. I was called racist numerous times. And even now I'm calling more racist because I say that he lost the fight. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't know. It's just like, I mean, what they be amping shit up is just ridiculous, man. Yeah, we, we, we've all been falsely accused of being racist when we talk about yourself, me, and Willa coming from where we came from. But um, I know I, I hear you 100%. But, JP, uh, let's swing it to you and talk about the possibility of a third fight happening. If you were to give it a percentage of happening, does this fight deserve a third fight? Being the second part of the question, but the first part of the question being, do you see this one happening? for Cinco de Mayo, which it was supposed to happen originally this year, being a possibility for 2019? Uh, <clears throat> before I answer the question on RC, I just want to address something really quick. Uh, you know, there's a narrative like Janelle saying, Triple G slowed down. But Triple G threw 250 more punches than the younger man and was on his toes all night, as everyone keeps saying, going backwards, as they say. 
So I don't know how, man, that's kind of strange. It's kind of a contradiction within itself. Um, no, but if I, I mean, as far as you're not, sorry, 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 speak, speak. Um, but if, if I'm Triple G, man, and, and I really do feel they're all in bed on it. Now, Willa, for some reason, he's looking through his Canelo goggles, and he said that the, the HBO telecast was trying to promote, like they were hitching their wagon to Golovkin. You couldn't be any more wrong, Willa. You should have asked for the for them cast to turn the music down. They were talking about this Canelo wins the story of the fight. That story of the fight bullshit was all in favor of Canelo. When Canelo wasn't quite winning, they would say he's winning the story of the fight. You see, Canelo has another uh, five to ten years to give in uh, pay-per-view to HBO, whereas Gennady Golovkin's 36 years old. He doesn't have any more time on the clock. Every fight from here on out, could be his absolute fall off the cliff. To answer your question, um, if, if, I, if I'm Golovkin, why not, man? I'm 36, 37 years old. I believe they're all in bed at this point because HBO rolled the Golovkin coattail hard as shit for this past five years, but they made it clear who their horse uh-huh. going for. They made it clear who their horse going forward from here going out is. And it's the same thing as Shaq and Kobe, baby. Yeah, Shaq left and got one more ring after he left the Lakers, but the Lakers had 10 more years left with Kobe. And that's the same thing that's happening here. We got to take the younger athlete who has more cash to be milked from the cash cow. But uh, if I'm Golovkin, I'll take the fight, of course. Take the money. He cannot win the fight, guys. He can't win it. Because I, like Letterman, had around the same score as Letterman. And most pundits outside of those affiliated with Golden Boy or HBO had Golovkin winning the fight. You know, this, this, this notion that – I'm just saying. <laughs> you, you, you take a consensus on Twitter, most people had Golovkin winning the fight, especially the ones that have no affiliation through any promotion or network. So, but that said, I don't think that Kalefkin can ever get a victory over this guy. He can't. He got to knock him out. You know what I mean? He cannot. Oh, get everyone a knows that though. Everyone knows that. Win. Even he should have known that. Even he should have known that. I'm going. Floyd Mayweather almost got robbed fighting Canelo. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> everyone knows you got to knock Canelo out to win. I mean, reality. I mean, I mean, come on, that's obvious. Uh, Laura was robbed. Uh, Trout was robbed. I mean, Triple G. I would have had an old narrative about. If you were my title, you have to come and take it. Well, Canelo went and took it. He went and took it. Yeah, by throwing I mean, 250 less punches. By throwing 250 less punches, he was more, getting he popped was more with accurate. a jab all night. Yeah. Hey, How G, accurate, though? Uh, look, you got to quantify that, that man. G, he missed a lot of shit. A lot of those shots were being blocked by Canelo. A lot of those jabs were being blocked. A lot of them. I, I totally disagree. I think Triple G just showed him he's a way his better boxer. But he was cut. Would you rather be bruised or cut? Would you rather be bruised or cut? That coach my headbutt. That coach my headbutt, man. Triple G got oh, frustrated twice in that fight and hit him oh, a headbutt, and he was warned now, for it. Now yes. Triple G's yes. an unsportsmanlike yes. athlete. I've never seen Triple oh, G be unsportsmanlike. Oh my God, you didn't see when that? Triple G gets in clinches, he touches guys on hey, the back baby. of the head and says, JP didn't he not didn't he leave like a baby unsportsmanlike after the after the fight? Exactly. We Bingo. I, I, I don't this blame him. Came dude. Out. I don't this blame him. This guy came out. I the don't bully cried. Go home because you lost. Bu- you big bully. 
They came back. <laughs> out throw a guy when you when you beat up a guy and you outgrow him by two hundred and fifty punches and and you tag and you tag him. All don't night. follow copy box, say, man. Don't follow copy box. Well, okay, but okay, but you can't say don't follow copy box. Then you want me to quantify these clear shots that he landed. That you guys are missing. But you have a lot you of have no missing. You see Canelo. I'm talking about Canelo. I'm talking about Canelo shots that you guys say were so devastating and concise and, and they were so damaging and clear and crisp. I didn't see all of those. And I didn't see Glass. I've seen it because I watched you because he was backing up so much. Even Abel Sanchez stated even Abel Sanchez stated that Triple G did not follow the game plan. He did not want him backing up in that fight. He wanted him to pressure Canelo. Pressure him into submission. It's on YouTube right now. I sent the video to Willow right now. Whether he did that or not, it still doesn't mean he lost the fight. It doesn't. If he did or did not pressure him, it's about getting hit. What made him back up? Plenty of times. So look, we we got our guy Max Kelly coming in last night. Look, Max always is the guy who uses the adage, "Who would you rather be?" You didn't hear that last night. I'd rather be Canelo. You saw Triple G's no, face. You didn't, you didn't hear that bullshit once. Because, you, you know saw, why? You saw Triple G's face. You saw his face. What, I, do, I, I, what I, do that mean? I, I what does Canelo. that mean? I would have been Canelo. You asked questions. Would have been last night. I would have been Canelo that Canelo, night. If you think, do you think Canelo, when him and Triple G are locked in a room together, do you think he looks at Triple G and say, "I can kick your ass"? On Saturday night, he did. Uh, he I said he said him down. Down, told him I can kick your ass. I bet you he can't look him in his eye to this day and tell him that. On Saturday hey, night, yes, we did. Came and whooped his he, ass, man. Exactly, he man. Ass. You don't throw 250 less punches, 250 less punches, and the other guy's on his toes. It wins the he championship more rounds. <sighs> man, Canelo I, I, was way more accurate, man. And I'm not what even was a Canelo fan. What was his landing percentage? You can't say that if you're going to throw out CompuBox. No, I'm, just going I'm, I'm, I'm following my own eyes. I'm following my own eyes. I'm not following copybox. I'm following my, my own eyes on what I saw. On what I saw. The hell with copybox. I know what I saw. I, I felt like I would have rather been Golovkin last night. I felt like the Golovkin beat him up. I felt like uh, Canelo was safe, was getting to that 12th round and he was happy. I felt like Golovkin could have kept going. And I would have been disgusted no. too, man. I would have been disgusted and left too. Now, Canelo was very economical, and he was very efficient with his energy. He never, he never took a break in that fight because he wasn't, he wasn't throwing on Hail Mary haymakers all night. I, uh, Canelo always yeah. had an issue that if he didn't knock you out early, he would get gassed by the six rounds, six, seven rounds, and take a break. He didn't, he didn't throw wild Hail Mary haymakers on, like once or twice in that fight did he do that. But normally, he does that a lot, and this is why he takes breaks. But see, last night he was very dis- he, he was the most disciplined he ever was. Last night, guy, the, most the only guy, ever. the only guy that can throw two hundred fifty less punches and win a fight is Floyd Mayweather. This guy did not. I said, but Canelo was clean. accurate. He, he, he wasn't he was clean accurate. enough for that. But he got hit too much to do that, though. No, they were his, being his, A lot son. of them were being blocked, man. A lot of them were no, being blocked. I, I'm no, telling Canelo. you, man. Please, please watch it again. I watched I was alone at home. No drink. Nothing. I walked in. I don't had, drink. Listen, I was at the fight. I was at and the if fight. You listen, man. listen. Oh, you, you definitely didn't see the fight. I go to fights too. Oh, this is the worst. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I That's did. the worst. I was right up there. 
That's the verse. I was right up but there. But look, no, I had no, a casual no, Canelo fan. I had a casual Canelo fan in the house with me. After every round, I looked Canelo at him. I said, I said, who won the, who won the I, round, bro? And he going for Canelo. He going for him vehemently. And I'm like, who won that round? And he just kind of looked, and sometimes he'll say Canelo, and he'll ooh and ah at this little punch here and there. If Canelo landed two clean punches per round, what did he land, three of them? About, let's say three clean ones that made you say, ooh, he got it. What? But meanwhile, it was more than that? Dude, he got outpunched by 250 shots. He wasn't no, throwing that how many he, punches. But he didn't get outlanded Super by G that missed a lot of. In fact, on the Super power G outlanded punches, him by it, about 40-something punches. Right, and but he outlanded him also on the thing by sixty by forty jabs. So on the uh, on the um, power punches, Canelo outlanded thirty more. Right. Uh, that's what CompuBox says, but y'all don't want to use CompuBox. Right, but I'm just saying. So so if just going by those numbers, how many jabs? How many power punches does it take to to equal out a jab? Is it a, if equal? A jab equals a power punch? Then they would all be counted the same. So let me let me I'm answer. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to tell you right now why copy box sometimes is bullshit. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, it's rounds that a guy could have won. We could have threw, like, say, like 100 punches or more or whatever. And this guy uh, basically uh, took a round off or something. And then, and even a few more of those rounds. But that's still one round. It's judged round by round by round by round. Don't follow what a totality of an entire fight. Me uh, punches for throwing more. It's round for round for round. I, I agree. I agree. Jeanette. That's and how it I goes. That's how it goes, man. That's the rules in judging matches. I understand. And, it's 12, and, it's 12 and different fights. And this is fights. why I said copy box sometimes is bullshit. It's a lot of fights but, in the Mayweather fights. We, 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 we clearly won. But, 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 but if you watch copy box, it was a whole different story. As if yeah, but the difference is you guys you cannot watch the Madonna fight. Mayweather here. You can't On use the Madonna Mayweather because he don't get hit. And the Cotto fight. Use and the Cotto fight. <laughs> You cannot use Mayweather because you don't. Fight, hey, Jill, you can't JP, use. Damn. You cannot use. You cannot use Mayweather because he does not get hit a quarter, one fourth as much as Canelo got hit last night. So we can't but, use that template, guys. I'm not Y'all even saying that. The, you just said it. Right. You just harkened no, back listen. to Mayweather. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Okay, guy could win a round. Uh, just for swinging and missing, and this guy take the whole round off. I'm still gonna give to the guy who's swinging and missing. I'm still, I, I still give to him if that other guy's and, not fighting back at all. Uh, uh, I'll still give to the guy the who's way, swinging and missing. He's trying to make way, a fight. Way, He's trying to make a fight. But but, but see, last night I saw Triple G getting countered all night. He missed a lot and getting countered in the first fight. Uh, Canelo didn't make him pay enough, and this is why I say uh, Triple G won slightly in the first fight because Tri- Canelo made a miss, but he wouldn't. Oh, uh, did not make him pay enough. He was missing, and that was it. <clears throat> and this is why I still giving those rounds to Triple G because he was still swinging and, and trying to make a fight. But but last night, uh, Canelo made him miss and made him pay. He made him pay. I'm telling you, man. Janelle, you're inside the AT and T. I've been inside that place for Kovalev Ward One. That's no place to watch a fight, man. That is no place you know, to watch a fight. Oh, you know my first was? and foremost. Hey, Janelle, you know Hey, Janelle, you got to let him talk, man. One let at a time, goddammit. Janelle, lean on. But look, 
That place is no place to watch a fight. It's a goddamn stadium. You're watching a big screen the whole night. I have $5,000 seats, man. Oh, so you sit in ringside where you at fucking ring mat level looking up and listen to everybody. But look, dog, man, dog, look whether, uh, team whether, whether be, those are good seats, man. By the way, yeah, I know AT and T. Oh, T Mobile, yeah. He, yep. he, neither here nor there. That place is Canelo's house. So whatever's being, whatever they show on that big screen after the round is going to be in favor of Canelo. Whatever's said between rounds that you can hear is going to be in favor of Canelo. The whole entire thing's in favor of Canelo. Um, my, my point being this. If, if you get tagged up and you throw 250 less punches, it's hard to win, and, and, and let's not act like uh, Gennady's some winging and miss type fighter. He's not that type fighter, Janelle. I, I know you was clouded. He missed a lot at last that, night. No, Janelle. Missed, Gennady's not that a, kind of fighter. Canelo's face not was the kind clear of as a daisy, man. Guys, guys, His y'all seen was, the fight. Was Gennady just missing What happened to him being this killer of a puncher? If was that it don't matter. Of a puncher, it's a, that don't matter. That's the story Canelo's of the fight. Up. And, 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 and similar... Similar to punch and, and copy box, not meaning uh, significance to the fight, the uh, facial damage that fighters have taken definitely don't and, give it any. And another as well. thing that don't matter neither. Let me add one more thing because I, story of the fight. This is why the HBO telecast kept reiterating. It don't matter if Mike Tyson came out one day and fucking boxed like Mayweather. If he won, he won. It don't matter the stock. Oh, he didn't fight like he does. That doesn't matter. It don't it's matter, man. Could. It don't matter. It's the one he won. It don't matter what style he fought or if he couldn't do it. If he used another wrinkle in his fucking game, good for him. And, and if you ask me, I think he purposely was doing that because he was using a jab, and then he would sneak that uppercut right in between the high guard. So he knew what he was doing. Definitely, no, definitely. I'm, I'm with you on that. And then, like I said, uh, uh, the you cannot tell me that a fighter, um, judging by the way his facial features are damaged, is uh, it, it doesn't do it any justice. Uh, granted, we haven't seen uh, what what we haven't seen Golovkin with that sort of uh, facial recognition, and it wasn't the same as what we've seen before. But at the same time. Golovkin did not have that look on the end of the, at the end of the fight that he did in the first fight that he won the fight. He knew he got beat up. He knew that he took a lot of damage in that fight. Even though you know he, like I said, uh, Willis said that he ran away with that twelfth round. Um, he started off the twelfth round really hot, coming out uh, and, and finishing swinging. So um, it, it was a good fight, man. It was a really good fight. It was uh, definitely um, I could see for those who had the dog in the fight uh, scoring the way that they did. Uh, I, I could see that. I definitely could, because it was a fight that could have been real misleading to both sides of the fan base, um, and even from a, uh, someone split down the middle. I, I, I was in that portion to where whatever happened is whatever happened, and I, I just think that Golovkin, who I was pulling for in the fight, he, he did not do enough to to make something happen. I mean, it, it just um, I, I I don't know. It was it was something that I didn't expect to see. I, when when Canelo started off the fight, coming forward stalking, 
uh, putting him on his back foot, it, it definitely was something I was like, okay, well, he's going to gas out eventually, uh, give it past the six, maybe give it past the eight. And he continued to move forward. He, he, took, he had a really uh, – much respect to the cut man of Canelo because, uh, you know, he, he, he definitely did something good. So, uh, But we got a caller right now from the 559. So I want to take it to him real quick. And, you know, that's funny, 559, that's the uh, area I'm at in Central California. But calling for the 559, outside of boxing podcast, you are on. What are your thoughts about this Canelo Triple G fiasco that happened yesterday that's got both sides of the fence from both fighters and their fan bases uh, calling for the justice from both sides? Yeah, so you guys are discussing the boxing fight right from last night, right? Yes, the uh, Triple G and uh, Canelo fight that had transpired yesterday where a lot of Canelo fans are saying that, oh, we won the fight, but a lot of Golovkin uh, side of the portion are saying that, no, it was similar to the first fight involved in a robbery. How did you see that fight happening yesterday? I saw it as uh, a monopoly because that's what I feel like boxing is, a monopoly by Oscar De La Hoya. I feel the politics in boxing are far worse than American government there's the A side, you have to, it's all about who you know and who's pushing you. Who runs Vegas besides Mayweather? Who has been making the most money since the 90s? Oscar De La Hoya. You could see that freaking, that, that guy who dresses like a woman sometimes. You could see that big <laughs> old smirk in his face when the battle was, when the 12th round was over. He knew he had him back. He knew he was getting paid fat. He had some bets on Canelo. He knew there was a robbery transpiring, which is an atrocity. But to be honest with you, I'm not really surprised. But Triple G, the only way that kid had a chance of winning that fight was to knock out Canelo. And it's hard to knock out somebody who is on performance enhancers, of course. And it's sad because I actually am... Uh, I'm actually a Mexican-American man, and there's not too many Mexican-American athletes okay. who actually accomplish something in life. And this guy's in our culture, is respected, <laughs> yes. and he is worshipped like he's some sort of god. But in reality, I felt very disgusted what happened last night, and that was a big letdown. I felt like, yeah, he went down swinging, but there was no way, no how, being unbiased, that he won the fight. I'm sorry, Triple G got robbed. It just goes to fuller, um, fuller illustrate the point of politics being involved in boxing. I, I hear you, and, and you're telling me that you're a, a, a Mexican-American, and I'm sure that uh, for La Raza, a lot of people were pulling for Canelo in this fight. And, and I can see, I mean, let's not forget, fellas, if you looked at, Oscar De La Hoya's Twitter timeline, and I'll, I'll call her, I'll ask you about this. When the decision got made for Oscar De La Hoya, he had tweeted out, I believe, about 17 laugh emojis. And the man that we talked about is dressing like a woman at times has been known to have a judge in the pocket or, uh, and things of that nature. Did you, when the, when the final scorecard was read, I, I, being a Mexican-American, I'm sure you were pulling for Canelo, for La Rafa, as I mentioned. But as far as Golovkin, the body language that I read from him yesterday was not that of a winner. 
or was that the body language of a man who knew that he needed to win by knockout against Canelo? He knew that he was going to be screwed afterwards. After the first, he actually, in my opinion, I thought he won the first fight as well. And that's why he was so sick to his stomach because he knew what was going to happen. He knows. I mean, if you know, you know. If you're around boxing enough, you follow the sport enough, Triple G's been fighting his whole life. He, he, he cannot be naive and stupid to know that a bunch of fishy business goes on in boxing. He knew. And once he finally got the confirmation of what he already knew in his heart and his mind, he's that and Triple G's usually a really collective guy. He's like, man, fuck this. I had enough of this shit. And he, he didn't even give an interview. He just walked out because literally he got robbed. Oh, man, Willa. Well, uh, my, my co-host caller of this show is from Houston, Texas, and he's a big Canelo fan and seen this one a completely different way than you did. Willa, do you have any questions for the caller that you would like to uh, uh, kind of rebuttal to some of these statements that he's made? Oh, no, man. I just I just go back to the Abel Sanchez uh, uh, interview where he clearly states that, you know, I told, I told Triple G that last round that he had to win it, and he didn't go in there to win the round. And he lost that last round. It was a close fight. Uh, you know, I personally had it eight to four, but I can see how people can make it closer. But like I said, there's no way in hell Triple G won seven rounds. There's no way in hell that happened. Six, probably not. You might be able to argue six just on he just landed a lot of jabs. You know, that's he just he was it was a jab out jabbed him. That sounds uh, you might be able. To, I don't call you crazy if you say that, right? But to have him winning, I think that's sort of it's just sort of ludicrous, and you know, I just it doesn't I never matter seen for guys. Canelo coming from a big Canelo fan. Oh, I never rooted for a fighter so bad when he fought Floyd. I actually hate Floyd, but he was too young at the time. But I never seen Canelo <laughs> so freaking dazed and so he looking so sluggish. He was I give it to him. He has a what? chin on him, but Triple G was just I never seen Canelo so freaking out of it. He was gasping for air in the middle of the fight. And I give it to him. He did finish strong at last round, but I I thought clearly, I gotta rewatch it I guess, but just from the eye test, me watching it, I didn't I haven't took down notes or looked at statistics, but just from a casual fan seeing the fight, easily Triple G won that fight. And yeah, I, I think I mean, that's why there's yeah. so much uproar. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't like I always say, man. This is how I look at it. How many jab? How many power punches does it take to erase the jab, right? Or how? Or vice versa. If I'm landing, if I land nine jabs and you land four uppercuts to my face, who won that? You know what I'm saying? Who won that round? It depends. How powerful was this power jump? How many? What damage was inflicted in those rounds? It makes me. It makes him every time I hit him, he, he takes a step back and takes a deep breath and looks and says, "Shit, I gotta go. I gotta go a little more." Then he gets hit. He takes a deep breath. I mean, I don't see how. I really don't see how Triple G fans can say he won. Hey, but it is what it is. This is boxing. There's no set way to judge anything. But I think you're totally wrong. I, I, like I said, I have Triple G winning four, 
round. That's it. To me, when I was came watching Canelo fight, I, when I was watching Canelo fight, I felt like he ran like a mile, like in four minutes. In other, in other words, he looked like he ran like twenty-five miles. That guy was gas, and yeah, he was. He changed his strategy a little bit. He was pressing more, which was he had to do something because he lost the first fight. But at the end of the day, I just it just made me sick to my stomach the outcome. And I usually don't feel like that. I'm usually, I'm a big boxing fan, but I'm usually, when some, something happens of that nature that you just know there's, it kind of reminds me of like 2002 when the Raiders got a playoff victory taken from them by Thomas Brady and the Patriots when they actually <laughs> won the title. There's sometimes there's some screw jobs that go on that resonate in your mind for years. And I still... I've still left. I'm left with more questions than answers after that fight. That's a that's a that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, I, I love the Raiders analogy too with the Tom Brady uh, snowball. I believe it was. Um, but, but well, I, I, look, man. I, the way I see the fight is uh, sometimes I, uh, from a lot of people that I've seen from the Golovkin side have this same point of view, and I and JP is saying that he, he'd rather be Golovkin than Canelo at the end of the fight as far as the work rate and possibly winning the fight. I the, it can be because like here, with it. So like just use this, like a just like just use a movie analogy. Like I feel like this is gonna now there's a bunch of controversy. Everybody's like, yeah, some people think Canelo won, others think Triple G won, but you know what is generated? There's two sides now and there's a bunch of buzz of like, well who really won? So now guess what's going to happen? Just like any movie, there's going to be part three to settle it because, oh, Triple G got robbed. Because uh, Canelo I, obviously I, didn't win, like, uh, clearly. I, it was debatable, Carl, I, a bunch I, of swing grounds, but. I, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I really don't want to see a third I fight of this. I personally don't either. Yeah, I, I don't want to see this. Well, I'm going to ask the caller first, and, then, and you could follow up on this one, because I think it is something to take note as far as the Oscar De La Hoya questionable tweet that came out yesterday when the scorecards were written. Now, we know that Oscar sometimes is a wild cowboy, and he might have been a little bit on some of that. You know what I mean? Because yesterday, for him to be a promoter and and supposed to be professional, to come out with about 17 laugh emojis when the scorecard was written on Twitter, it had a pretty good outrage because we know the Internet is undefeated and they have a lot of things to say when people uh, of, of Oscar's stature say some things on Twitter. Or, I mean, this is not even saying anything word for word. This is just just a bunch of laugh emojis at the scorecard. That's not going to sit well with a lot of people. And like I said, I yeah, that's, that's Oscar De La Hoya exactly yesterday. So I'm, I'm going to ask the caller first what his thoughts are on this one. And, Will, you can follow up on this one because when I seen that yesterday, first and foremost, Oscar De La Hoya is, in my personal opinion, not a sober man. <laughs> and I understand that he must have been on a good one yesterday, which was involving pretty much the only pay-per-view star in boxing, which I'm sure they made a really good dime on yesterday. But, Carla, your thoughts on the tweet that Oscar De La Hoya put out when the scorecards were read yesterday? What kind of perspective yeah. does that give from a, a man of a uh, – we're talking about a promoter of a, a, a million-dollar company 
when Golden Boy promotions, you would never see Bob Arum. Well, first of all, Bob Arum's an old man, so he's probably not going to do that on Twitter. But if he was the same age as De La Hoya, I don't think Bob Arum would do that. Al Heyman involved with Showtime, he stays away from anything involved with social media or being on the cameras or anything like that. Basically, the last promoter in boxing that we had that was so much so outspoken on social media was 50 Cent with SMS promotions, but that did not last long. Oscar De La Hoya yesterday is supposed to be a man with some sort of professionalism and hold a level of class, but for him to put out that tweet yesterday after the scorecards were written kind of rubbed me the wrong way. How did you feel about that? Of course. You would have to think that what is boxing known as? Boxing is known as pe- the champions get paid top dollar. It's the millionaire sport. People get paid a lot of money. There's millions tossed around to set up a fight. And Oscar knows. And Ve- where, where's the fight at? Vegas, where there's so much gambling going on. He knew with those emojis that, oh, it was probably the people that killed Kennedy. They felt like, oh, I feel so happy because we knew that Kennedy got killed, but nobody's ever going to oh, trace it. Kind of just like how Oscar De La Hoya knows that he has in the back. He can have boxing this fight rigged. As long as Canelo doesn't get knocked out, there's no way to trace it. And he knows that at the end of the day, he's getting paid bank. The same with fighters involved. I think it's obviously there's a there's a bias. That's Fox. That's one of the reasons why I actually became a fan of UFC as of late. Because sometimes I feel like when you leave it to the judges, oh. politics come into play. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, you guys might be. I'm sure you guys are boxing extreme fans to have a podcast, but that's just one of my gripes of boxing. I've seen way too many questionable decisions by judges into like a just I'm a, I'm a normal man who works during the weekdays, and I like I grew up watching boxing, and like I said, back to my Mexican culture, our family had festivals to watch the big fights back in the day, back in the 90s, De La Hoya, Tyson, whatever, but it just to me, it's a black eye to boxing to have questionable judging. It seems like more often than not, and it seems like there's certain narratives going on, and I it's hard to trace it because it's all subjective and it's hard to pinpoint what exactly is going on. But going back to the main point I'm trying to make, I just think Triple G won the fight, quite frankly. Okay, all right. Well, um, that was a long-winded, uh, but a really good breakdown. I like that he uh, mentioned about. Um, I mean, we're 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 not new to this with when it comes to Canelo and the uh, decisions that has been given. Sometimes when we talk about Austin Trout, we talk about Miguel Cotto. I don't think that Cotto decisively won, but I thought it was a lot closer fight than what the judge card, with the scorecards read, and then the the ten round beatdown that Floyd gave him being given a draw on one scorecard. It's not something that's been hidden from the boxing consciousness of the fans that Canelo gets a little bit of a, uh, a rub when it comes to what he do, what he does in the ring and the judge is giving him that, that love for. Um, but leading back to what I was talking about from Oscar De La Hoya's standpoint, um, now I know you might want to play that music that you were playing at the beginning of the show because I think that's what Oscar De La Hoya was listening to when he put out that tweet with all those laugh emojis. You thoughts on that tweet what it, that was put what it, out by what Oscar. Come, what, what it comes down to, guys, in my opinion, is have you guys ever seen that movie? 
Coco? I have not this, seen. It actually, okay, so last year Disney made a movie. It was like one of the biggest box office smash hits of 2017. This movie called Coco, it was based on like Mexican uh, culture. And in the movie was this guy who was a singer and his best friend was also a singer, but he wasn't any good at singing or on the guitar. He couldn't write a song to save his life. So what happened was like, he gave his best he gave his best friend a shot, but in that shot actually was poison. So he killed his best friend, and he got <laughs> all the songs all the songs that he wrote. He took them all. And he had a book, like a little like a notebook, and he took his songs. And he went on to become the most famous Mexican singer of all time. So what I'm trying to get with that is his name was Ernesto de la Cruz, but he was uh, to the Mexican culture, the oh. Mexican people. He was like considered the goat, the greatest of what he did. But in reality, he was nothing but a fraud. So to bring it back to boxing, that's how I feel about Canelo. Canelo, he is loved by the people. He He's... But in reality, I feel he's nothing but a fraud, cherry-picking his fights, having Oscar De La fix his fights. He is the golden boy, literally, of the new age of boxing. But clearly, he is nothing but a fraud, just like that movie Coco. I really recommend I like you guys watching that movie. I like that. I like that. Willa, um, uh, the follow-up of the question I had originally with the – uh, laugh emojis of Oscar De La Hoya when the scorecards are written. That's a little bit unprofessional by your man, the goat that you so so eloquently put of Mexican boxing. Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, disrespect to Oscar De La Hoya, you know, shouldn't be tolerated, but, you know, it is what it is. Hey, you know, there is this other movie, I think it's called uh, Good Will Hunting, right? I recommend y'all watch that. And there's that. this thing where he has some apples and he tells them, how do you like them apples? And, and that's what it, I think that <laughs> emoji was all about. You know, he was showing them that, hey, he's got the man. Canelo is the man. Because I'm sure, I'm sure uh, De La Hoya was sort of scared. You know, De La Hoya is the one that probably didn't want this fight to happen. De La Hoya, you know, is trying to milk this guy as long as possible. I think it worked out. Well, I think it worked out as long as as long as Oscar waited to get the fight with Golovkin and then to have another year before the fight happened when Golovkin's thirty six. I think it was a long and gated plan that worked out perfectly, and I'm not mad at that because that's what boxing is at the end of the day: protect your fighter as much as you can, and when it's time to get that bag, if you got a guy that's hey, he's up there in age a little bit compared to opposed to you know three years from. Uh, a go like as Janelle said, if they were to fight three years ago, it'd be a different story. I think it was a well-engaged plan, and I think Oscar De La Hoya deserves a lot of credit coming from the business standpoint of one Saul Canelo Alvarez. Yeah, hey, he's doing what he's got to do. This is boxing. This is a business. There was nothing underhanded, you know. If uh, the bottom line is, see that we we can only go to the bottom line, and the bottom line is Abel Sanchez said that Triple G lost that last round. Abel Sanchez gives that up. He says he didn't have it in him. He thought he was winning. He lost the last round. He had it a draw. Uh, so that means there was one 
one judge that had it, if Triple G would have won that round, it would have been a draw. This was no robbery. To say robbery is, is sort of, you know, that's just being unfair to the game. Uh, to say that UFC is much better, do you think there's a reason why Tyrone Woodley has to knock everybody out? Because once it's going to be a close fight, he's going to be out. You have a, a place where they hate their champions over there. We, uh, you know, we talk about UFC all the time. We, uh, we are boxing guys, and I do think UFC we, we do. is the is the is second rate athletes out there. Most most of the guys, there, most of them, not all of them, but I think a lot of them are just second rate athletes. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Triple G got his ass. Good point. But there was but, a good point. But there about, was a lot good of point about Tyrone Woodley because <laughs> uh, yeah, Dana White's a piece of shit when it comes to a guy who should be. Uh, uh, I mean. I mean, not. I, I don't really want to say taking care of his champion, but at least being a fucking uh, not going against your champion. I feel like Tyrone Woodley's back against the wall anytime he competes over there. Yeah, but RC man, there we got. There was a lot more fighting going on, and, I, uh, and we need to talk about that too before we run out. Oh yeah. But before we get to uh, it, yeah, we, before we get to it. You gonna celebrate one more time? from the 559 with us, and that's cool because I would normally want to go to the undercards of the fight that happened, but with the, 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 the amount of significance that they did not have, I mean, you had Roman Gonzalez coming off two straight L's to the Outsiders Boxing Podcast uh, Fighter of the Year, and uh, sort of just got rung beside Baby Pacquiao, a.k.a., uh, and you had uh, uh, David Lemieux knocking out the funny mustache. That was uh, That was funny. Um, uh, one round work, and then you had Jaime Munguia absolutely bullying the guy weighing 175 when he's fighting at the 154 pound weight limit. Um, we can go to those ones in a second, 100%. We definitely go to those, but let's go to the what happened on Friday night because a lot of people, and this isn't for me, even though it's hometown cooking. If I look at the top rank comment section of the fight on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. The comment section of the Jose Ramirez fight is a lot of people talking about a fight of the year worthy candidate. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez was uh, uh, initially supposed to defend his title earlier in the year, did not happen. And so he had to end up taking this fight on a Friday night where, eh, you know, I had my uh, run in and things like that with. Uh, as far as supposed to being at the fight and having uh, good seats and all that stuff, that's neither here nor there. But he was against Antonio Orozco, who was originally 27-0 and and looked like really good comp. 
look like really good comp. If you look at the last three opponents from Jose Ramirez, um, I mean, super lightweight division. Um, Bud Crawford, as we all know, uh, vacated and moved on up, uh, taking out at the time a 23-0 and Mike Reed and a, at the time 21-1 and Amir Amon. And then against Antonio Roscoe yesterday, who was 27-0, and or Friday, I should say, really looked like a fighter who did not want to let his O go and turned out to be a really good fight from the fan perspective of wanting to see guys let them dogs go. Um, Jose Carlos Ramirez is a friend of mine, uh, regardless of whatever happened that I mentioned on the midweek show. Um, Seeing the fight that happened in Fresno and knowing a lot of people that were in the Save Mart Center in Fresno, it was a lit crowd. And for ESPN to have Joe Tessitore talking about this is great stuff, the classic line that he uses being that he used that so early in the fight being the third round and things like that as me and you were texting throughout the fight. It was one of those fights that you called a Mexican off. And there was nothing held back in that fight. Complete blood and guts. And Jose Ramirez, being a guy who um, – it, it, it seems like he's a big for the weight class being 5'10", but he has a really uh, a rangy style, long arms, chops to the body, follows up in combinations, not just a one-two type of a fighter. He'll, he'll throw four to five punches in, in, in bunches and a damn good chin that he's shown on display because of the style that he has. When he first won the title, being the 2000 uh, WBC title, contended title fight against Amir Mom in New York, uh, Jose was clearly up going into the 12th round, but was going for the knockout in the 12th round when he really could have just ran around the ring and got an easy W. Um, I, I mentioned to you via text message not to put anything in perspective of the fight, of what we talk about personally that's put on the show, but I told you in text message that Jose needs to chill at times. He has a little bit of that wild card uh, Freddie Roach in him where offense is more important than defense. And it leaves him open at times. And he took a few good shots against Orozco, but he ate him and gave some back. And a fight that I think that, look, we had Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. We had um, Scott Quigley and uh, um, uh, Vasquez. And and we've had really good fights. Um, I think that, I mean, hell, you could even put the – Golovkin Triple G fight um, um, on the list of that. You know what I mean? Um, it, 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 um, I think that there's a lot of great fights that happened this year, but for the fans to say that this one was a, a fight of the year candidate, it's a reach, I believe, but the work that was decided in the square circle on that Friday night in the central California district of the San Joaquin Valley was some pretty good uh, dogs that were being let go. Um, I think, obviously, Jose won that fight, but at the same time, he took a little bit of damage. And um, I think that's something to make part of being alarming for the division moving forward as far as the guy like Regis Progras or um, that. I mean, I don't see Ndongo being a problem for him or anything like that, but there's definitely some contenders that can have some sort of belief that if they land their shot similar to that others did, they'd give him more problems. Um, your thoughts on the Jose Ramirez fight that had happened this Friday in, in, uh, in Fresno, California on ESPN. Oh, yeah. Hey, I think, you know, we 
you went into the week, you know, you're a little salty, very salty, extra salty on Wednesday, uh, saying you weren't gonna call, you weren't gonna watch the fight, but fight came on. You know, I didn't have shit to do, so I posted up on the couch Friday, trying to see what's going on. Your young boy comes on. I tell him, hey, he's looking good. He gets dropped. You're like, hey, I might need to watch. Think you, and then you were watching. <clears throat> Wasn't that hard to get you back? Gabriel Floyd Jr. Talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Hopefully, we we'll talk about him because he definitely did look. He, he looked he looked good for for a young man, but this fight, yep. man, I really wasn't. I didn't know what what to expect, and just the like you said, it was the Mexican off. It was the the both American Mexican guys. One guy was speaking Spanish and had the Mexican flag. The other guy did it. The other guy was yep. more representing his country. You know, no disrespect to your boy, but. He's American, right? He was, you know, he was born here. He's American. He's claiming America. So, you know, it was that. It was the Mexican, uh, the true Mexican that's even though he's from America against the other Mexican, and they and they went at it. Um, it was sort of, it was, it was, it wasn't an even fight, but it went back and forth except for the drops, you know. Um, Ramirez was able to catch him in between them slow shots he was throwing, uh, Roscoe. And, uh, yeah, it was a great fight. And I think – I don't know if it was a fight of the year, like you said, but it was a great fight. And I think because we weren't expecting those kind of fireworks that uh, that it was it was an excellent fight. It was a hell of a fight. I was hyped afterwards. I was glad that I saw it. Um, what Jose Ramirez showed me is that he gets hit, hit a lot <clears> – <throat> And even though Orozco, I think, was just knocking everybody out, a lot of people out, he was, his power was sort of – it was that loop in power that you could sort of see coming. Uh, when he fights uh, Regis, if he does, it's going to be a long night for uh, Ramirez, who does it, who can jab, you know, but sometimes, he, you know, he just gets tired, I guess, and stops jabbing and, and goes into the dog fight. And he gets hit a lot, man, but it was a great fight. Uh, we give it I'm, for his little showcase. I give him a, I give him a, a, a B. Did a good job against a, a, a solid, tough fighter, and uh, dropped him twice. Um, then we had to do the win, a close fight, and prove that he's got some guts again. I mean, we saw it against Amir Amon. Um, You know, maybe he needs to get a little, a tad bit stronger so he can finish these guys off. Because uh, you know that's going to sneak up and bite him eventually. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, I feel, I feel, and, and I try to have a, 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 a open perspective of the fight as much as I do, even though you know, being a, a not only a fan of the guy, but knowing him as he is, and uh, you know, the fight of the year talk wasn't for me. That was from a lot of the fans that were in the comments section. If you just go to the top uh, top rank, uh, whatever social media site, and look at the the feedback that's given by a lot of the fans, you got people saying that's what boxing's all about. That's what brings fans back from the UFC. That's what we should see. Um, but you have, I, I, I wanted to sit back and enjoy it instead of be a, a, a critic and be like, well, if he has, well, he has this lack of defense, and if he fights so and so, it's going to be a bad business night. I just wanted to enjoy it, and I did. And sometimes to see something like that works out really good. But um. <clears throat> You know, let's uh, let's cover up these uh, undercards that had happened because <sighs> there was some really good talk that was put on Twitter about 
Gary, Spike O'Sullivan, and David Lemieux. Um, I, I, I was I was uh, really intrigued about this fight, hoping to see a really good fight better than what had happened being the one-round knockout towards the end of the round because after the, the weigh-in that had happened, <clears throat> I had seen on Twitter saying David Lemieux had tweeted uh, uh, at Spike O'Sullivan saying, I'm ready to smash that big nose of yours in, clown. And Spike O'Sullivan had replied, I'm in the lobby of the hotel now. We're in the same hotel, you little fat prick. Come and try it, you pussy, with a middle finger emoji. And I was like, you know what? With the with the talk that's been going on this whole time, I was intrigued about this fight. I wanted to see it. David Lemieux said he let his hands do the talking, and he definitely did. Counter left hook, right on the button. Spike O'Sullivan could not make the count. A guy that turned down the fight with Golovkin, that Bonas Matarosin they got. Spike O'Sullivan looked like a guy who could be a contender in this game as far as the weight class. Irish fellow with a mustache that nobody can forget about in boxing. And I thought we'd have a better fight, but he got knocked out in one round. Willie, your thoughts on that fight that it happened in the two minutes and 54 seconds that it was that it lasted? Yeah, I, I went into that fight looking to uh, looking to see a, a good competition. Uh, boy, when we let down, we saw the hook, lights out, uh, like sleepy, sleepy. I never really thought yeah. that O'Sullivan was uh, was any good. You know, he just had the mustache. Um, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. He was, you know, he just and looked he funny. Up, and he, he beat up the crack baby. If you remember the show that we had covered back yeah. in last October, I believe it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, he beat up a guy that that, that admitted that he was a crack baby. So, you know, yeah. a young dude. You know, I think it was a young a young guy. Uh, so, you know, yeah. he, he didn't really he hasn't really impressed me. And yeah, it was good. It was a good ass knockout. Knockout. Uh, 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 the second knockout of the sleepy preliminaries preliminary fights. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was excellent knockout level. But David Lemieux it, it is was a real deal. I don't care what what anybody says. But Canelo will probably fight him. That's probably oh, I hope we don't see that. I hope we don't see that, man. I hope we don't. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I uh, uh, talking about the fight that was also on the undercard being another Mexican fellow that I know that me and you both became a fan of just because of the style that this kid fights. Uh, being one Jaime Munguia. Now, Jaime Munguia was one who was putting himself in candidation for fighting Golovkin, but it was not given the pass by the Nevada State Athletic Commission because of how young he was and unimpressive his record was. Funny way how things turned out that he did not get the fight that he wanted against Gennady Golovkin, in which Vanis Matarotin had got. He ended up fighting at a weight class lower than what his was at middleweight, going at 154, and beating the dog shit out of Saddam Ali, taking the title that he won from Miguel Cotto. And Jaime Munguia, a guy that's bigger than his weight class, has been doing really good. He took care of business on Saturday night. I mean, absolutely mauling. Uh, I you know I got to look honestly I didn't take notes on this fight I forget the the white fighter's name but he absolutely mauled him and Cook which they said Jaime Munguia 
Mr. Cook, he 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 had Brandon to Cook, hold yeah. a heavy L that night. He had to hold a heavy L because Jaime Munguia put them paws on him and came into the fight that was scheduled at 154, which they both had to weigh in. Jaime Munguia looked very skeletal on the Jesse Vargas Instagram the day of the weigh-in, and come fight night, he's uh, going with the old Canelo style before Canelo became the big pay-per-view star that he was as far as weighing in a certain weight and weighing about 175, 174, 175 on fight night, 20 pounds heavier than his opposition. Um, Lead candidate for boxing's bully of the year, Jaime Munguia, coming in at a heavy weight and taking care of business. Um, it looked good, though. Well, what would you think about Jaime Munguia? Because I know that we're both fans of the guy, and he's young and has not reached his uh, grown man power at this point in time. But, boy, does that kid hit hard, man. Yeah, I, this guy Munguia is a specimen, a Mexican specimen. Uh, hopefully he's within this uh, the lineage of Mexican champs that's been passed on from uh, – from Chavez to De La Hoya to Canelo to maybe Munguia, you know, in about six, seven years. Um, he's looking great. Like you said, he looked like Skeletor came in. He's looking fresh with an ex- extra 20 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's sort of unfair. Uh, you know, he's just beating that guy up. Hey, it looked good. I was sort of – I won't say I was impressed, even though I was impressed just because of the, uh, you know, the animalistic uh, uh, feeling that's inside of most people just seeing this guy get his ass whooped. But it was a good ass whooping. But it was a, it was an unfair fight. Uh, Jaime Munguia, he's young. <clears throat> I think he probably just needs to give, give up those belts and just fight. Well, I, I say that. It's, I, I don't know. He's just going to be beating these guys up for a while. Like he's young, so it's, this uh, take uh, cutting weight doesn't seem to be hurting him at all. He's going full speed ahead all rounds, every round, and uh, it looked like he worked on his defense. Um, you know, not not the yeah. I won't say I was yeah. It looked like he worked on his defense, and it looks like he he's going to be something to be messed with in the next couple of years. So. I don't see him fighting anybody really anytime soon, any another big name until uh yeah, until he gets his skills up and gets gets a little more strength, which is crazy to say. <laughs> I know, right? He's got a lot of power right now for being as young as he is, that's just crazy. As soon as he gets his grown man power in, um I think he'll be able to fill himself into the weight class and, and really be um, able to compete with the, the guys in that weight class right now because he should be a middleweight. But, you know, uh, there's talks about him and Hurd, you know, just being thrown around right now. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But, um, I mean, hell, if he can make the weight and balloon up and do what he does, all power to him. I have no problem with it. Uh, Weight bullying um, at that weight class is something people talk about with Jared Hurd. So if if they can make something happen down the road, let it it be. Shit, let both guys fight at at, uh, at light heavyweights on the night of the fight for the 154-pound division. That don't bother me one bit. Um, also on the card was, uh, you know, a guy that was uh, put 
at the upper echelon of the pound for pound um, mythological, uh, a mythological pound for pound list, Roman Gonzalez, in which a lot of people like to refer as uh, Chocolatito, the Nicaraguan, that, you know, he had himself a pretty good run leading up being Triple G's tag team partner um, up until he, you know, got in there with uh, Soros Gabrongasa. Um, it, it, it just wasn't something that worked out for the little guy. But, you know, he got back in there yesterday against a fighter who was should have been happy just to be in there. And Moses Fuentes, a fighter with 25 victories, six losses with four knockouts, um, and 14 knockouts on his W percentage, but or on his Ws, I should say. But he took a uh, – that was a hellacious knockout where they had to take a little bit longer of a pause because of how – much of the severity was. It had me question where the fuck was the corner of the guy because Roman Gonzalez was actually one wiping the blood off of his face being that that was the guy he was fighting instead of his trainer doing that. Um, <clears throat> well, I've seen this one on replay because, as I mentioned, I missed a lot of it coming forward because how quick these fights ended, but Roman Gonzalez yesterday, impressive knockout. Uh, I think he needs to still build himself up before he tries to get any smoke with Rung Vasai because nobody wants any of that smoke with Baby Pacquiao especially rung the side. But an impressive win, nonetheless. Uh, yeah, you I was on the move, making my way to the fight. Uh, and I missed it. Uh, came in right after uh, right after it happened. So I caught the replay. I think he hit him with another nasty hook, maybe just laid into it, slept him, wiping the guy's face. That's, that's, yeah, that's sort of disrespectful. Uh, I would have told the nigga get out of my face, but I don't know if Chocolatito <laughs> Fred, this guy was a bum. I see they're pairing they're pairing those guys back up again for for the long uh for a while. It was Triple G and uh Chocolatito. Uh yep. last hey, time we saw that. Yeah, last time they saw that we saw what's his name get knocked out, Chocolatito get uh well get beat, I think. And then uh Yeah, man. Uh yeah. It was a good knockout, but like I said, I didn't get to see it, and I don't think this really means anything. I need to see a little more. That was a bomb. Yeah, and, and real quick before we get out of here, uh, uh, I want to give a, a <laughs> shout out to. I want to give a shout out to uh, um, my man Gabriel Flores Jr., known as Lil G, and I made jokes with him before when I seen him saying that he stole the nickname of Gennady Golovkin because I called him Lil G throughout his entire quote-unquote reign in the middleweight division, but he was uh, he's one of the youngest prospects ever in boxing, 16 years of age, and got in there with a grown man at 25 years of age, just getting into his 18th year of age, and uh, he took a, a, a knockdown during the fight, but got up and put the mitts on him. A, a, a young prospect that I think will are coming out of Stockton, California with his style of fighting, which seems like he's not afraid to brawl, but he's a, a lot smarter than a brawler. Uh, Gabriel Flores Jr. had a six-round fight that was on the first fight of the undercard in Fresno, California, the Jose Ramirez card. And I think that this young kid can uh, make some noise for uh, Bob Arum's top-rate promotion because he's one of those young fighters that's going to, I mean, just by based off his style alone and the way he fights, it's very fan-friendly. But at the same time, it's very slick. Uh, your thoughts real quickly on that fight before we wrap up. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, hey, the guy looked good. Uh, you know, usually I'm going to come in when it's your guy. I'm going to come in with that cynical eye. 
just to hate the next day because, you know, that's how I show my love and appreciation. But this guy was out there. He he was looking pretty good. We still see he's young. Uh, and unlike uh, uh, Ryan Garcia, he doesn't really get hit as much, you know. Uh, he he showed that he's young because he couldn't really drop the guy. Uh, his power, even though he's hitting with good shots, he really wasn't doing anything to him. It was a like you said, it was a wrong man. But besides that, uh, besides the knockdown, it was uh, he pretty much put in some good work. You know, boxed the guy all night, hit him with some good clean shots. He looked very very good, very very promising. Uh, I don't know why they. You can see that he he might be getting that push because they gave him the, uh, the the guy hit him in the back of the head one time and they took the point just to even it out so I guess so he can be uh yeah. he can have that uh six round shutout cuz he beat him by six points with that happening so uh yeah man it was a good fight I'm hey, I'm looking forward to seeing this kid and uh yeah uh I, I think y'all got something out there but uh before we go I want to I want to talk about the one guy uh let me see what's his name uh Herring, uh, he fought before the uh, Jose oh, Ramirez yeah, fight yeah. came out. He was a Marine. Uh, salute to all that. Salute to everything he's done for the for the country. But he's the first first black guy that I've ever seen that I dislike right off the bat. He was in there with a smaller <laughs> dude. Why? He was bullied because he was bullying the dude. He was like. You know, it was just the way he was acting in the ring. It was just sort of unnecessary, and it was sort of ridiculous. He was hitting the guy in the balls. I, I, I think that he, I think he kept on hitting the guy in the balls, and he kept, you know, he was just very cheap and dirty. And the guy was just too small for that. And you know, he's not Hopkins. He's not Ward. I don't want. I don't want to see that from from no guy that's trying to. Especially when you're trying to build up like you're the American hero, you know what I'm saying? He's I've never seen an entrance the, like that with all the military. Yeah, he came out to the salute. Everybody came out, and he's in here cheating like Sergeant Slaughter. So that's what his uh, <laughs> his his name should be, Sergeant Slaughter, because he's this boy's out here cheating, hitting in the balls, putting his uh, you know, putting his his el- his elbow in the guy's face, and it's a little dude, so you know. Hey. <laughs> Shout out to what he's done. Salute to that. I'm very thankful for being a veteran. <laughs> but as a boxer, I, I can't. I really can't fuck with him. And that's really one of the first black guys that I've ever been like that towards, so, especially a dark skinned <laughs> guy. <laughs> and that debunks all the theories from those that follow us back from on the ground boxing up until the Outsiders of Boxing podcast of saying Willa is a racist who only goes for his own dark skinned kind that debunks all of that because for you to say that Willa you are a gentleman and a scholar and a very honest man because when I seen that fight <laughs> I I echo your sentiments my good friend because for him to come out with the military line of everybody down the walkway and uh, all the fans and attendants that were in their military um, uniforms and all that for him to <laughs> Fight like Sergeant Slot is a really good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, uh, for those who have not seen, I hope you can check it out, uh, follow it up uh, on, on ESPN, because I know they have replays and things like that on the ESPN Plus app. 
Uh, but I think that's all that we have for today. I mean, it's just long-winded show with everybody that joined us. Man, I, I really want to give thanks to everybody. Uh, JP for coming and defending what he thought that would happen in the Golovkin. Uh, I know D from the 843 has got a really long ride home. I hope everything's okay when he gets home, being with the Hurricane Florence that's coming over in the North Carolina area, which my man is from the Chuck. Uh, really wish I could have been there in Las Vegas for your birthday weekend, but, you know, sometimes things – uh, don't really work out that way. And uh, we'll definitely have to catch up on another one. Uh, really good Sunday, man. Hell of a Saturday and a really damn good Friday of boxing. We got a lot of shit that happened. This was the fight of the year, and it deserved a long-winded and long-indicated podcast uh, from Janelle and uh, a caller from the 559 era. I wish I would have got his name and number of where the hell he calls from because uh, the Nick Nick Nina could be from anywhere from – uh, uh, a few miles down south, up north, and, and east and west, which we have out here. So uh, I'm really surprised that a lot of people kind of stood their ground for this fight, um, especially coming from myself, starting off top, being that I <laughs> I give Canelo that one 100%. But Willa, um, outside of boxing, Ryan Fitzpatrick really fucked me today, man. That motherfucker, another four touchdown, 400 yards of passing game to be the first quarterback in NFL history to start off his first two games with 400 yards and four touchdowns in the first two games. And that really screwed my pick that I had involved with the Vegas betting from Philadelphia uh, against Tampa Bay. <laughs> what, what surprised you the most in football today? Cause that's my first and foremost uh, biggest surprise, even though Patrick Mahomes has six touchdowns for Kansas city. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, that, that, that didn't really surprise me. Fitz, Fitzpatrick, this is what he does. He comes out here, he balls, and then he crawls. It's going to, you know, it is what it is. He Did does you see this. what he was wearing in the postgame? Yeah, then he came out. Hey, I feel him. I fuck with Fitzpatrick. I don't think – I think he's <laughs> he a like – he does what he does. He came McGregor. out – yeah, that's what I thought it was. And then I looked, I was like, oh, no, that's his boy Fitz, dog. So, hey, he's out here <laughs> doing this thing. Uh, I don't hate on him. Uh, he, he has he he'll sling the rock. I like him. Um, you know, no hate. But the the surprise is that the, the damn Texans lost. I figured they were gonna win. Guys didn't have their oh, best their, their tackles. Both tackles didn't have the QB. Still gave us that work. Uh, but yeah, our coach is trash. And yeah, but that that's here no Yeah, but I Cam lost that. too. Cam lost yeah. too, but he still. He still got me like I think like twenty four, thirty four points, something like that. So he still balled. Yeah, I wish I knew the defender's name that had uh, hit Cam Newton when he was sliding with the helmet right to the bottom of his chin. That's some dirty shit, man. I hate seeing Cam Newton take big shots in the NFL. Granted, the defender got taken out of the game and uh, was ejected, but uh, you just see too many times of Cam Newton taking shots that would be intolerable for quarterbacks like uh, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady and things of that nature because Cam Newton, uh, I understand he's built for this uh, physically, but it's just not fair to see the guy take so many shots that he's taken in recently. Uh, I mean, not even recent years. I mean, he's been taking shots like this for (laughs) pretty much his whole career uh, just because he's big and built for this, whatever. But uh, really good day in football, really good weekend in boxing, including Friday. Um, we'll, uh, uh, we'll figure out what we got going on on the preview show for the boxing weekend coming on Wednesday, which will be at 7 p.m. Pacific time, 
9 p.m. Central. Uh, but I want to thank you, thank Janelle, I want to thank JP, I want to thank a caller from the 559 who had a really interesting take on a lot of the things that has happened, even so much so involved in a movie in which I can't remember the title that I was uh, advised to watch. But we'll see how it goes. I had a, a really good time chopping it up with everybody, and for the most part, it was a really, really good weekend of boxing that I could enjoy as a fan. And hopefully we can see this and many more. Tyson Fury says that we're expected to hear a date coming up by the middle of this week involving him and Deontay Wilder, which I'm sure Willard will be able to cover on the midweek show. But speaking for myself from the San Joaquin Valley, my main man in which I hold gold with for the last four to five years in the podcasting world being tag team champions from Houston, Texas, D. Willard Wilson, Janelle from Minnesota today not New York as it always was. Uh, JP from Southern California and the caller from the 559 who joined us today. I want to thank everybody and all of you who are rocking with us. Appreciate the rates and reviews. Share, subscribe, comment. Let us know how you feel about the show, positive or negative. Any press is good press and we'll be um, not so sure if we're going to acquiesce to anything that people say because we keep it real as we can over here and basically have no filter on the Outsiders Boxing Podcast. But this is the OBP Boxing Main Show on Sunday. We'll be back to you rather sooner than later, coming on Wednesday from the Midweek Show, hosted by my man D. Willa Wilson. I'm R.C. This is D. Willa, and we are out. Mama, I love you. Oh, man. Viva Mexico, I can't believe I said that.